the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome into another Saturday on Woods and Water, South Carolina. Glad you're here. Glad you survived the polar vortex. I was talking to my guest, a uh, good friend of mine. And he was telling me uh, doing some conservation work in cold weather is, is tough. Grant, uh, what kind of temperatures were you dealing with out in Missouri this week? Ooh, I was in northern Missouri yesterday, Pike County, not Illinois, Missouri, right across the river. And the wind chill was negative 31. I think the actual temp was negative 5 or so. It kind of bites on your nose a little bit. <laughs> Woof. That's tough for us thin-skinned South Carolina boys. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be setting up in a tree. You know, if you're walking, we got, you know, of course, proper clothing sure. and gloves. And if you're walking, it's really not that bad. I mean, you know, you're you're not out there saying, oh, this is just a great day. But you can get your work done. But your face just, you can't cover everything on your face. And it, it just hurts a little bit. It does. It does. Well, I... I've been wanting to do this for a while. You were you were good enough to come uh, to call in to the Scope Conference in uh, October and do a talk on CWD. I think it was very enlightening for the guys in the room. And uh, you agreed to do it for the radio show. I really appreciate that. But take just a minute. To, and, and we're talking to Dr. Grant Woods, who's, a, who's been a friend of mine since the late 80s and, you know, has just lived his whole life outdoors. And, um, Grant, tell us, for those who are new to the show or might not have heard you before, give us a little bit about yourself and yeah. uh, so we can get rolling. Yeah, great. Hey, uh, so I'm originally from Missouri and, you know, always loved deer. Ended up going to University of Georgia and then Clemson for my Ph.D. Just, you know, followed the best deer programs I could get and lived in met a southern bale, got married and lived there in Spartanburg and down, or Abbeville, excuse me, up, let me this right, Greenville <laughs> and then Abbeville for, I don't know, 10 years, something sure. like that. Loved it. Had many projects all through the state from the mountains to the coast. Was there in Hurricane Hugo, by the way, folks, uh, and spent the night 17 miles just outside Charleston, Goose Creek, Ooh. South Carolina. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty much a South Carolinian, I think. If you've been through Hugo, you can claim <laughs> South Carolina's home. That's right. And uh, love deer, work with deer is all I do, and, and uh, don't work for university, didn't like the politics. So I'm a private biologist. I work for companies and private individuals from New Zealand to Canada. Be in Atlanta, actually February 12th, worked with a landowner over there by Callaway Gardens. Okay. And uh, so I'm in the South all the time. Yeah. Just love it. And you can see what we do. We make a show weekly, every week, 52 weeks out of year at growingdeer.com. Just go there on, and you can go on Roku and all those TV apps. I don't even do that stuff someone else in the company does and <laughs> YouTube or the website. How many episodes are we up to now? Well, I can't tell you. 460 some odd. We've almost 10 years. We've never had a repeat. We do one every week and never had a repeat. And if you've never watched Growing Deer Day, it is good. It is it is hands-on, easily understood. Here's what we're doing. You can do it where you are. It's, and you it's can see me shivering if you watch Monday. That's right. You see what we did. We, what we do is we, we film whatever we're doing this week, whatever right. it is. I mean, if we're trapping, planting, whatever we're doing, burning, and that's what's on the air to next week. We don't like film for and take vacation. Okay. My, my wife always wants me to do that, but we haven't figured that out yet. Okay. All right. I'm just starting to figure that out with the radio show. 
So you got time yet? Um, You're ahead of me. <laughs> well, my wife was on me pretty hard, so I caved a little sooner than you have. Um, uh, it was great to see you at ATA. Uh, always a great show. Take just a minute. Just what was one thing at ATA you thought was just the best thing you saw? To be really honest, I, I'm blessed or cursed one or the other. I just at ATA, I basically go meeting to meeting to meeting. Oh. I think I had to leave our visit to go yes. to a meeting. Yeah. And I don't get to walk around and look at all the new products. Oh, uh, so, you know, the only ones I really see are people I work with. Sure. They certainly have some cool ones. Uh, but, but pick one of those then. Well, I, I'm not much a gimmick guy. i got to tell you, I, I've shot prime bows from year. I think they're now the fifth. They make more bows, and I think they're number five in total mm. production. They're really gaining, super accurate. I've shot one for years. I yeah. love it. And they're new. CT5 is what I'm shooting right now, and I've got a hog hunt in Alabama come up in February and one in Florida in March, and I love it. I, I'm a little taller. I'm six foot tall, and I like that longer bow, and it's just super smooth. So that's something I'm enjoying. I'm already got, you know, playing and enjoying. Uh, Bloodsport Arrows has been great to me, and Bloodsport, whatever you're shooting, guys, I love the small diameter, micro diameter arrow. There are many advantages. Let me put that in scale. My, All right. One of my interns was here this summer, great big scapping, scrapping kid, marine kid. Uh, and uh, he spools very easily, I might add, an 80-pound bow with a 31-inch draw. I mean, Oof. he's got so much energy, he should blow through an elephant. Yeah. And I had a kidney transplant this summer, right. so right now I'm shooting 50X pounds, whatever, you know, put on the bow in the day okay. and whatnot. But I'm shooting my skinny arrow, and he was shooting a normal size arrow, and I had a brand new target out there. And we were, we oftentimes we shoot at lunch or after work, and my employees do, and I do. It's just something we do all the time because we all love to shoot. Yeah. And we're out there shooting. I think it was 30 yards. I can't remember. I think it's 30. And after we had a brand new target that day, we wanted to come in the mail, and we're shooting brand new target, and you know, yucking it up. And I noticed about third walk down range that my arrows, although they're a little shorter, my draw is only 29 inches, mm-hmm. seem to be going into target a little bit more than loops. Now, I thought, well, it's just the arrow difference in length or whatever, but compensating for the difference in draw length, it still looked like my knock was closer to the target than his. So okay. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I put my finger right on the foam and pulled my arrow out and held it. And I said, now you put your finger on your arrow and pull it out. And I was getting more penetration in a brand-new foam, so like you're hitting a weave or something right, like that, right. target. And it was av- – I'm shooting – Almost a 30-pound lighter bow and two inches shorter draw weight, but he had that big old fat arrow. And a lot of people don't understand, deer don't just stand still when you shoot them. Sure. They're moving, muscles are contracting rapidly, strongly, and it's gripping if the arrow doesn't pass through. And and, and by the way, folks, deer are moving before the arrow passes through. It's not <laughs> like they stand there and go, gosh, darn it, I got shot, it's time to run. Right, yes. They're going, folks. Who yes. they feel, sense anything, they're moving already. And so that muscle is gripping the arrow. And you think about this. Can you grip a pin or a hot dog better? Can you grip a fat arrow or a skinny arrow better? Well, the fat one, for sure. Sure. Same with the deer's muscles. See, thin arrows penetrate absolutely much better. No matter what broadhead's on front, the thinner arrow, micro diameter arrows, penetrate much better. There's your biology lesson today. There you go. And the and, and couple of the, the only bow I shot at ATA was a prime. I'll be darned. It, it's... it's I don't know. You know, the first couple of years I was there, I shot everything I get my hands on, and I don't know. I the guys at Prime took a lot of time to talk to me about how the bow was designed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's it it's got a really sharp little click when you pull over the cam. Yep. And I like that. It's an it's 
no nonsense hold. And this year when I was there, I walked the whole show floor, you know, a couple of times, going to different places and doing different things. And that was the one bow I shot. And, and I went up and I said, it's the only bow I want to shoot. I said, nobody in my house has seen fit to buy me a prime bow yet. So I'll just keep shooting it only so I don't get off target until somebody buys me a, a prime bow. So. I, I think a lot of people don't know this, and the family is way too modest to tell it, but G5 and Prime, same company, yes. uh, Mr. Grace had five children. That's where the G5 uh, comes from. <laughs> Grace five. five kids. They're major, major, major engineers in the auto parts business. Really? That like to bow hunt. They're taking this really extremely high-tech tools and skill set, and they like to bow hunt. They were not satisfied with the accuracy of other bows or broadheads. They started broadheads first to find that. They had the number two selling broadhead of all time, period. And their bows are totally built for quietness oh, and they accuracy. Are. They are. I love them. So that, that's my experience with bows at, at ATA is a prime. There you and, go. And you probably started me down that trail back a few years ago. We probably well, had a conversation somewhere along the way. I, I, you know, there, I tell people all the time, there are a lot of good bows. Shoot the sure. one that hurts you well, and you shoot well. For me, the prime, I'm a quietness freak because deer, duck, we, as you know, we've done a lot of research on that. Yes. I want to be quiet, and I need to be super accurate. And so that's the prime fits that recipe. If you want a super fast bow or, you know, the sexiest bow, whatever, you probably need something else. If you want something super accurate and super quiet, the prime is probably your best option. Absolutely. Well, look, let's, uh, we chewed up that one pretty good. Let's take a break. Uh, come back on the other side and we're going to talk CWD with Dr. Grant Woods. Hang on for more Woods and Water, South Carolina. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. Do- have Dr. Grant Woods from Growing Deer TV on with me. And the uh, rest of the show, however long we decide to talk, is going to be about CWD, chronic wasting disease. Um, it's been a topic that not a whole lot of people here in South Carolina may be up on simply because it hasn't been diagnosed here or found in a, in a deer. Uh, but it's making national news. More states are finding it. And I think it's one of those things. I think, Grant, you said this. The more you look for it, the more you might find it. Absolutely. Uh, but CWD, um, what's it all about? Okay, so let me give a little disclaimer here. I am not a disease pathologist. I'm a research biologist that decided to go more for herd dynamics and habitat, you know, sex ratio, age structure, sure. and how to make the habitat better. But I am been involved with CWD, whether I wanted to or not, and I've been able to work with some of the great researchers in America, Dr. John Fisher out of University of Georgia Vet School, Wildlife Disease Unit, uh, Mike Miller out of Colorado. I mean, Colorado has more experience with CWD than anybody. The state vets in Wyoming, state vet is a good friend of mine in Michigan who's now fighting CWD pretty aggressively, Kelly Straka. So I'm, I'm in meetings with these, these really smart people all the time. And my job oftentimes is to break it down so dummies like me can understand it. <laughs> well, in that case, break it down so dummies like me can understand it. All right, so CWD is caused by a prion, which is a fancy term for a bent protein. And every critter, every mammal has prions, and they, they form important, they cause important functions to be formed in the bodies. Okay. This disease prion is malformed. It's not just bent, it's malformed, and somehow, no one knows how yet, it causes 
other proteins that become bent and malformed. And they're called spongiform disease because when they come bent, they make holes in the nervous tissue, primarily the brain. Okay. Now, these holes aren't like Swiss cheese. You know, you stick your feet, you kill a deer, and you, maybe you're taking the skull cap off for the antlers. You look down there and go, oh, my gosh, there's a golf ball-sized hole in that deer's brain. That's all I'm talking about. These are microscopic holes, but a hole in the brain never turns out good, folks. I mean, you know, sure. parts aren't connected, energy is not flowing the right way. And, and oddly enough, this is why in western states or states that have CWD, a high percentage of deer that are roadkill deer, have CWD. So one of the biggest ways to collect targeted samples, not just, you know, hey, let's go kill 500 deer and see what percent have CWD, but targeted sampling is pulling samples from roadkill. And you get a really high rate of CWD positive, high rate compared to just, again, random samples. Right. For CWD or deer to jump through storefronts or, you know, do, do aberrant things. It turns out that deer, mature bucks that have CWD are much easier for hunters to harvest. Now, don't say, oh, man, I hope we get a bunch of CWD in this area. I can't kill that old buck. You don't want CWD. No. But in areas that have a high prevalence of CWD, like Wisconsin, Wyoming, Colorado, some of these areas, those mature bucks, if they live to maturity, are very – if you sample mature bucks in those areas with high prevalence rate, a high, high percentage of them will have CWD. They're just vulnerable. They're not as attuned to the environment. They're okay. easier for hunters to see. They're also easier for mountain lions to find. Okay. Uh, one researcher out west did a study where he's looking at carcasses that mountain lions had killed, pulled samples out of the spinal cord, and a high percentage of them had CWD. They're just easier. They die a lot of ways. So that's what CWD is. It's very closely related to mad cow disease. Right. That's also a spongiform. Okay. Folks, the media never told you a story. About 240 people died from mad cow disease. They estimate in Europe about 10 million people consume some of that beef. It's okay. a very low prevalence. It's not going to wipe out the planet, but it is something we need to be very concerned about in deer. And there's several reasons why. I mean, A, I love deer. I don't want them sick. B, it's a 100% fatal disease. Right. It's not like EHD. Some people in the media, oh, EHD is worse. That's absolutely not true. EHD, a high percentage of deer survive it, may slough hooves, may you know lose a little weight that year, come right. back the next year strong. Okay. We've known about EHD for over five decades, and anywhere it happens, Milk River was a really famous case. In 2012, the Midwest, Ryan, got hit really hard, lost about 30% of the deer on my farm in about 30 days. Right. Now I can't kill enough does. Deer herds always bounce back okay. from EHD. All right. CWD, there are herds now in America that have had it long enough, they're going down, and we have to restrict hunter opportunity, i.e. can't kill as many deer. Right. You won't see as many deer. And if we don't find some cures or something doesn't change, it is possible. I'm not saying it will, but it's possible those deer herds could go extinct. It's not like EHD at all. That is very bad publicity some people are putting out. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Another disease that's in the same family, a spongiform, is scrapie. You've probably heard of scrapie. Yeah. Skin and sheep, sheep. Bible time. Right. Okay. And sheep have been all over Western America since it was settled, literally, and, and I'm sharing that because it's it's very difficult for this disease to jump species barriers. Okay. Elk, mule deer have been co-mingling with sheep for hundreds of years, literally. And, and in Europe, even longer, red deer, which are elk cousins, actually closer related than cousins, and sheep have mingled for a thousand years probably. It doesn't jump species barriers, which is a great thing. Now, okay. all diseases can mutate, and it would be possible that, 
scrapey could jump to deer or could jump to humans. Think how much mutton has been consumed, <laughs> and humans don't get scrapey from eating sheep. Okay. So that's just a you know, safety thing. I want to say up front, the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, highly respected group, says that they've never known CWD to jump to humans, but right. people in areas that think they have CWD should have every deer tested. I do. I'm in Missouri. I okay. do. And then if it comes back positive, I've never had one come back positive. If it comes back positive, discard that meat. So I process my own venison, All right. and I label, you know, raised dough out of big field or whatever it was, so I know okay. which deer it was. Okay. If that comes back positive, that meat's going to go in, well, it's not going to go in the gut pile. It's going to go in the landfill because this is real applicable here, folks, to yeah. South Carolina residents. Just say you go to Kansas, Missouri, somewhere, Iowa, where CWD is known to occur and tag a good deer. And you want your local taxidermist to mount it for you. So you take the whole deer head back. You don't debone the meat. You don't skull cap it and flesh out the cape. You take the whole thing back so your taxidermist can do it. And realistically, is you're too lazy to do it yourself. That's just bottom line. Okay. Brain tissue has a huge amount of these prions. So a taxidermist skins it out, throws the leftovers on the back 40. You've now made a CWD hotspot. And it's very possible that several things could happen. Those prions could, you know, they could go become fertilizer, get in the ground. A plant takes those prions out of the ground, which is very possible, and then a deer okay. eats the plant gets CWD. Okay. A coyote scavenges around the guy's bone pile out back, eats the CWD-infected deer, part of a CWD-infected deer, runs 30 miles away to another farm, poops on that area. That prion's there. A... Uh, plant takes it up, or we all know that coyotes love to go by mineral sites. He urinates, defecates on a mineral site, deer come lick that mineral, bingo. You got a hot deer. So that's why states are putting importation bans not only on live deer, but on deer parts. On deer parts. It is safe to move meat. I debone meat. If you don't know how to debone meat, we have a video. There's nothing commercial, nothing for sale here. <laughs> go to growing deer. Google how to debone meat or search on how to debone meat or something like that, how to process a deer. And we made a video several years ago, not for CWD, just for hunters. Sure. You can debone several deer, several deer, and get in a 40-quart cooler. There's yeah. no need to haul bones home. Right. You're not going to eat them. There's no need to. So we have videos that shows you it's really quick and easy and clean. It's just a learning tool. We want to bring home the meat. We can bring home the cape. Hopefully, we fleshed it. It doesn't have a lot of meat on it. Okay. And bring home the skull plate, but not bring home any brain material. You need to take the time to get all the meat, all the brain off the skull plate. One way to do that is pressure wash it. Okay. And, folks, the taxidermist, if you don't know, doesn't put the whole skull inside of you. <laughs> they don't even put the skull plate on there sometimes. No. Taxidermist. They just put a screw in the bottom of the antler and put it on the mouth that there way. There you go. Okay. Others use a skull plate. But, yeah. So... That CWD, it is 100% fatal. It's contagious by going deer to deer. Right. Maybe they're grooming each other, right, and they get a little saliva from an infected deer in their mouth. Okay. Uh, through urine, through defecation, um, uh, p contaminated environment where they've urinated, where they've defecated, where they've salivated. Those are all possible ways. Now, it's not like the flu. You get one flu virus, you're probably going to get the flu and, you know, be sick for a few days. Right. It takes a certain load of these prions. 
So, you know, one prion falling from a crow who scavenged on an infected deer 100 miles away, which crows migrate. If you don't know, this crows migrate, yes. right? Yes. Uh, and it poops, and a plant takes it up, and there's one prion plant, and a deer eats it. It's very unlikely that deer's going to get infected. Okay. If it was that infective, all deer would be we dead right now. Right, yeah. Okay. But we don't want to take any chances because here's some really real-world applicable stuff to South Carolina hunters. If CWD is in your state, I can about promise you 100% the state will go in and say, no more baiting, no more mineral. We in CWD states already live by that every day. And right. here's why, folks. And it's not its not fun. I don't like it. I love trophy rock. <laughs> I wish I had trophy rock on my farm right now, but it's illegal. Right. And here's and I like trophy rock because there's 60-plus different trace minerals. It's That's right. Yep. Here's why. When deer are forced to artificially accumulate nose-to-nose, it's exactly like one kid at the preschool having the flu and snotting all over the favorite dump truck and then every other kid in the class playing with the dump truck right? or the Barbie or whatever it is. They're going to get sick. And when you cause deer to accumulate at a corn pile and a mineral site, there's a much higher chance of them passing it deer-to-deer then when they do their, and people say, well, deer touch all day long. You know, they groom, they do things. Right. They do. But you can't stop that. You can't stop that. Right. We don't have to multiply those chances by making them artificially get together. One thing you said, and, and we're getting real close to a break here. One thing you said is you have all your deer tested for CWD. How do you do that? Is that, is that a mis- I should have said harvested. Harvested deer. Yeah, there harvested no, deer. No, that's a great point. There is no good life test right. for deer. Yeah, we, yeah. Harvested deer. But when you harvest deer, because Missouri oh. does not have mandatory testing, right? In, my, in these counties where I live, they do. It does. Okay. Okay. Okay, that was one yeah. thing. Because I, I know... And even in the counties that don't, they have always have voluntary testing set up, and the state pays for it. It's not costing a hundred anything out of pocket. Okay. Okay. Because when you said that, I'm like, mm, okay, how does that happen? Because most of it, like in, in states with a new test, they've implemented mandatory testing, and DNR is on site doing that for everything yep. that everything's taken. Yeah, for us, there's usually uh, two or three taxidermists in a county. Maybe okay. your taxidermist, maybe a different one. Okay. That will pull samples. Okay. You can pull samples if you know how. Put them baggy, send them to state. But there's all kind of sample collection sites in Missouri. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. All right. Well, like I said, we're we're up against this break at the bottom of the hour. A lot of good information. Um, we come back. I want to talk a little bit about the new states where they have now confirmed CWD. Um, some of the state plans are kind of interesting. What happens as soon as CWD is detected sure. and uh, and what, you know, some other stuff that's going on. So hang on through the break. More Woods and Water, South Carolina, on the other side. Back to Woods and Water, South Carolina, talking uh, chronic wasting disease with Dr. Grant Woods, Growing Deer TV out of Missouri. Covered a lot of information here over the last segment. We still got some more to go. Grant, um, it's spreading. I mean, every year it seems like we're adding a state or two. Now we got Tennessee. Uh, 
Is it is this live animal transfers? Is this is this the way it's happening, or do you think it's just a natural spread? And once, it, like we said at the beginning, show, once you find it, you test more for it, you're going to find more of it. I think it's all the above. In the early days, when it was just restricted to you know Colorado, Wyoming, very small area, and then all of a sudden it jumps to Wisconsin or Pennsylvania. Those are likely live animal transfers or parts. Remember, it's deer right. or deer parts. Okay. Could have been a hunter, very unknowingly back in the day, killed sure. a whopper elk, brought it back, showed his buddies, skinned it out, threw all the remains in the back pasture. Yep. Could be deer or deer parts. Um, and then as that circle of prevalence grew and grew, I think now it could be you know just bucks dispersing, does dispersing, whatever. Okay. So Mississippi had their first case of CWD, then they found a few more, then they found a few more. Some of those cases were right on the border with Tennessee, Tennessee. not too far east of Memphis. Right. And so Tennessee wisely said, well, we're going to sample those state, but we're going to really focus in that area because if it's right across the line, we probably got it too. And sure. they, they did, and in fact it was. And at first it was 10 cases or 11, whatever, and it was 20 some odd. Well, now it's up to, I think, 34, 38. They may have not released the last numbers yet, but it's going to be... In a day or two, if they haven't, the public will know it's 30-some-odd, and they're going to do even more intensive sampling. Uh, so it's in 26 states right now. Right. Uh, three Canadian provinces, Scandinavia, and, Korea. and South Korea. <laughs> and they know to South Korea, they tracked it perfectly. They, they have a big elk breeding program in South Korea for okay. captives. And they shipped an elk there, a big, big stag or big bull from Canada. They know exactly how that, that, that one got there on a jet. Wow. And they sure wish they hadn't because it changes your life, folks. Once it's there, South Carolina should do everything it can. They should be educating about moving carcasses. They should be doing everything they can to keep it out as long as they can because it's life changing once it's there. Yep. Let me tell you how life changing. So I'm in Taney County, Missouri, Branson, Missouri. I'm sure a bunch of your listeners have been to Branson, sure. Missouri. Uh, and we're about 12 miles out of Arkansas. Arkansas, when they first found it, they, they went from, no, we don't have it, no, we don't have it, no, we don't have it. And then they found, actually, as God worked it out, a, a fawn, a female white-tailed deer fawn, was standing in a creek behind their ranger station, sick. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, the ranger shot it and had it tested, and it became positive. So they started testing more, and they went from nothing to 22%. Now they're like 24%. In about a six-county area. It's not just one little isolated spot. Mm-hmm. They're eight up with it. And they're right next to me. So I knew we've got to have it sometime. We've been testing for a few years. This year, one of my neighbors shot a spike buck, and it tested positive. Spike is the best-case scenario, folks, because spikes move a lot. A lot, they, they, yes. they move a lot. If it had been an old, mature doe, which has a relatively small home range mm-hmm. and is constant contact with every other doe in a group, does form maternal groups, we probably have a big hot spot. As it is, we have one spike. We don't know if he walked in the area or he got it here. So for a 25-square-mile area, and I'm right dead center, that's 25-square-mile area, February 1st, the state has asked us to start shooting a lot of deer. I'm Starting February the 1st? February 1st. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. We can't. We haven't been on debate for years in Missouri. It's gone. I have 16 corn piles on my property right now state sanctioned so we can kill deer quickly all right okay which brings up a good question why why when you have a case of cwd is missouri doing exactly what i want to know why do they extend the seasons and bag limits okay uh, great question 
and I want to really address that. Okay. Again, we want to, A, get a lot of samples to see how prevalent it is. That determines the next step. Okay. B, we want to reduce the amount of deer so there's not so much nose-to-nose contact. Not wiping them out. Want to reduce the deer, the standing crop. Because the more deer there are, the more likely the disease can spread easily. If you've got one person in a room with 50 people and one person has a flu, there's a lot likely it can get going once it gets going. So if it goes to two, then it goes to four, then it goes to eight. But if you've got one person in a room and there's only five people in the room, it's not as likely the other four are going to get infected because they don't have to be right there next to each other. Or as the very wise and very, very, <laughs> I'm teasing here. I'm waiting very for this well-spoken <laughs> state vet of Wyoming said, well, granite's like this. If you got a lab and you got a 10-foot kennel, 10-foot by 10-foot kennel, you're a whole more, lot more likely to step on a dog poop. <laughs> but if your dog's roaming over your whole backyard, you're not as likely to step on it. Sure. And that's, that's how CWD works, folks. Okay. So we will remove about 60 does off my properties, a couple thousand acres. And in addition to what we did, we killed 30 some odd during the regular hunting season. Wow. So people ask me, Grant, do you believe all this CWD stuff? Yeah. Hey, my testimony is clear. <laughs> I, do I like it? Do I want to do it? No. Is it costing me money in many ways? Yes. Is it the right thing to do for the species? Yes. So let's take that a little bit further, folks. You can look all this up. Dr. Google knows it all. You can do this. Don't listen to the Facebook chatter out there. There's some there's some large personalities in the industry that are spewing a bunch of untruths. Please get the facts. Okay. Here's a great fact. Southern Wisconsin and northern Illinois, a state line that is not fenced, right? There's no wall there. It's sure. not fenced. Deer go back first across that state line. Illinois got some really bad advice. Excuse me. Wisconsin got some really bad advice years ago from someone said, ah, CWD is nothing. No need to do anything. Let's stop all this harvest. Just let it run its course. It'd be, you know, it'd be okay. Okay. 50% of the bucks in those counties has CWD. 50% are going to die, period. Done. That's before, still, that's before it's, 100 it's, it's pulls priming. the trigger the first time. It's priming. It's priming. Okay. okay. Right across the line in Illinois, they went in, and no one likes this. No one likes it. No one gets any jollies out of this. Okay. And killed all the deer they could in around that hot spot. Still to today, almost 20 years later, that prevalence is at 1%. Wow. Across the state line, over 50. Missouri has had CWD for a long time now. Okay. We have, I think, 24 hot spots or 30-some-odd counties that are infected, something like that. The highest prevalence rate in any one of those spots is 1.7%. If we would have done what Wisconsin did, our lives would be changed drastically. As it is, people are still hunting, seeing big bucks, land values are kind of okay, things are good. If we'd ignored it and not taken an aggressive stance, most likely our deer hunting heritage would be gone. Is it pleasant? That's a scary thought. Um living it folks i am in the center of it i'm living it financially personally i'm living it it is the right thing to do until some really sharp person figures out a cure and maybe it's not a cure maybe it's the way it's a halted or slow it or abate it somehow there's been no research i'm not being political at all just factual okay 
President Obama took away all funding for CWD research at a federal level. State agencies are not rich. They can monitor. Yeah. It takes a lot of money to do good research, folks, a lot of money. And I'll tell you how we got this going. And I was on a part of the committee here. I'm not taking any credit at all. Uh, we needed Congress to chunk up a lot of money, like $60 million, for good research. I'm not getting a dime of it, so don't think that. Nothing. I'm, I've, I've already admitted I am not a disease pathologist. Right. Try and get their attention. You may remember last year, because of the flag deal, this Congress got really excited about low attendance at NFL games. Hunting. <laughs> not hunting and fishing. Hunting. Makes twice the revenue every single year as football. Right. Twice the revenue. Now, you don't see it because think about South Carolina. All right, there's, I don't know what there is these days. I went to Clemson. 80,000, 100,000 people on a home game. Sure. There. I don't know. Yeah. No little nothing town goes to crazy, right? Yep. Going to that town on a prime October afternoon, you drive by a few hundred thousand people out in the woods hunting. Yeah. I mean, those you see. <laughs> you so, don't see any of them. Yeah, they're in camo, they don't want to be seen, they're, you know, in their back 40 somewhere. I don't know many people that buy a four-wheel drive truck to go to a football game. Every one of my buddies got a four-wheel drive truck, and he tells his wife, well, so I can get to work during a snowy day. <laughs> and you know so much in Charleston, South Carolina. Well, no, you never know. You never know. They bought that thing to go hunting in. That's right. Just like they bought the UTV, just like they got a lease on the land. I don't. And here's, so we had to get this point across to Congress. So they're understanding that, right? Right. I had this idea. Here's a beautiful idea. I said, all right. I didn't say this, Congress, but I fed it to the people who did. How many times you saw an NFL store the size of a Bass Pro? None. Ever, None. Never thought of it. Yeah. Well, there's 200 Bass Pro Cabela's across America, right at 200. I ain't never seen a golf store, an NFL store, a basketball store, a baseball store. I'm not knocking any sports sure. folks. Sure. They just don't generate revenue, so not only do I want to save deer, I want to say, dear, because I'm passionate about it. My oldest daughter and my kidney donor's name is Raleigh, Raleigh. dweller by the deer meadow. My youngest daughter, Ray, is Hebrew for doe. Deer impact everything in my life. Love the species. I've loved working with them for over 28 years. They, you know, it's it, it's a part of my identity. My identity is in Christ, but deer are part of my identity. All right? Yep. But it's also a massive economic portion of America. Did you know that the U.S. Census Bureau censuses expenditures related to hunting and fishing every five years? Not every ten years like the population. Been doing it for 30 years. 1996, 2001, 2006, you know, 2011, 2016, just did one. By county, by county. They calculate the expenditures related to hunting and fishing because it makes that big of an impact on the U.S. budget, the tax revenue. That's how important deer are. And by the way, folks, you can take all the ducks, turkeys, <laughs> hogs, elk, big orange sheep, and turtles, put it all together, and it's a pimple on the budget of whitetail deer hunting. Because yep. whitetail is a common man sport. I mean, you sure. know, right outside or in Greenville, South Carolina, sure. there's not a county east of the Mississippi that doesn't have deer hunting unless something like, you know, New York City they have deer but maybe illegal because they're liberal up there. Did I say that? Can I say that? You did, and that's fine. It's not a four-letter word, and FCC doesn't regulate you calling New York idiots. Okay, good. (laughs) Deer are a huge thing, so the current Congress got hold of that and said, oh my gosh, you mean it's possible these things could go extinct or drastically limit hunting opportunities? So 
So there's a great bill, one in the House, one in the Senate right now. Okay. I think one's for $40 million, one's for 60 If it goes through, you know, they get together in committee, whatever they call it, and then yeah. find about 50 And I'm voting, not that I have a vote, but I'm nudging for this not to go to Clemson or Georgia or Auburn or whatever great wildlife school you want to talk about. I want this funding to go to Case Western University because they do more prion research, like in humans, okay. mad cow. You know, there's still a couple of uh, little bitty islands somewhere. I hope I never end up there that there's uh, cannibals on. Right. Cannibal humans have a high, really high rate of Yockfield Davis, the human variant of this. Okay. They eat other people's brains. You know, you shouldn't eat brain tissue, folks. That's just kind of, all right, you know. Okay. That, that's kind of a tough one to understand. Don't eat human <laughs> brains. Okay, got that one down now. And so Case Western is the leader in prion research. Here's my take on it, and I'm just old dumb hillbilly, but I can teach those really smart scientists about deer really quickly. Sure. Anytime we go to a great deer university, it's going to take us a decade to make them disease people. Right. We don't have a decade. No. So we need to take really smart disease people and teach them deer biology. We can do that really quickly. We can do the work for them. We've got good yeah. samples. Yeah, we've already done the work for them. Yeah. So that's my take. Probably more than people want to know on CWD. <laughs> it's not been found in Alabama. Chuck Sykes, the director there, is a friend of mine doing a great job. And when Tennessee started showing up hot, he really amped up the sampling, especially okay. in that area next to Tennessee, Mississippi, because right. that's most likely where they're going to find it. They set up a roadblock about a, a month or two they published everything did everything said folks it's illegal to bring carcasses into alabama from other states you can bring antlers you can bring the pelt you can bring right. bone meat real common sense stuff okay. right they set up a roadblock on whatever big highway goes through that northeast corner northwest corner of alabama southwest corner of tennessee you know just a, a highway going through there okay. and i think that's how they did it they set some game wardens from both states tennessee and alabama working together on this on an overpass looking in the back of four-wheel drive pickups does that profiling yes. with coolers yeah radio head haven't pulled over okay it didn't take but just like two hours and had six people illegally bringing deer and elk wow. into the state folks we gotta quit moving the wrong parts of deer yep we got to a, a major species is on the line here so when I hunt, I mean, everybody knows, man, I like love to hunt. <laughs> and I'm blessed enough to kill a critter somewhere. I'm going to debone. Okay. I'm going to clean the pelt. If I'm going to have it mounted, I'm going to clean it. I'm going to cut the skull plate off. And the only thing come back is antlers and debone meat in the pelt. And that's what South Carolina has implemented. We have the same restrictions. If you're hunting in a CWD state, that's what you can bring back. Debone meat, pelt, skull cap is clean. And I think it should be every state because, you know, Tennessee didn't know they had CWD deer until a few months ago. Right. So it's not good to say, like, I would I would bet even money or give odds that Kentucky probably has a positive CWD deer just because of where the CWDs are in Tennessee, Tennessee. and the direction of the pattern of the ones that are finding new cases. So saying Kentucky is CWD free is kind of risky to me. So And there's no good live test, right? There's right. no good live test. So. Right. Um, we just need them. to be smart, and, and there's two things. So if I was in this like this, if I was Deer Czar, and I don't want that job, but if I was Deer Czar, and there's no job like that, folks, I'm being facetious, <laughs> but if I was Deer Czar, I would say there's no movement of live deer, or deer being deer species, elk, Servants. reindeer, mule deer, white-tailed deer, moose, those are all in the deer species. Okay. Okay. No movement of deer, no movement of live deer, not for restocking, 
No putting elk in Tennessee or Virginia. Right. No moving elk through Utah to restock in some areas of Utah. No moving mule deer. That's state agencies. No private movement. I'm not mad at deer breeders, but there's too big a risk here. No private movement of deer, period. And hunters, no movement of deer parts except antlers, pelts, and meat, deboned meat. That is the two biggest things we can do. More important, from what I understand from the disease people, than minerals, urine, feed. Those are all important pieces of the puzzle, but not near as important as stop moving deer, stop moving deer parts. And in, in all of this, you have to remember, it's not about us, the hunter. It's about the natural resource. That's what it's we're trying to protect. about the resource in the future. Yeah. In the future. Yep. My daughters love to hunt. I want them to build a hunt. If I have grandkids, I hope they hunt. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's about the future. And, yeah. and, and, and at the bottom of the day, it's just about doing what's right. You never go wrong doing what's right. Right. Wow, Grant. I appreciate that. Good information. You you mentioned a website to me earlier in the day for people that can go and find yeah, whatever information they need. Yeah, find the stuff or get the latest information. I may post something tomorrow. It's late. It's cwd-info.org. cwd-info.org. They're not selling anything. It's not like a commercial website. It's just a place where scientists can deposit the latest research or where it's been found, or anything related to CWD. There's no commercials. There's no political statements. There's no, we need to do this. We don't need to do that. It's just information. Very good. And, and I don't know anyone on any side of the aisle or table that says, oh, that's a bad website. I don't know anyone that says that, you know, it's just almost like Mother Teresa. It's just, <laughs> these are the facts. These are the facts. Dragnet, just the facts. Yeah, just facts, man. You know, it's just, there's no political message. You're not taking a stand one or the other. I just want people to have the information so they can make educated decisions. Great. Well, Grant, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your friendship. I look yes, forward to Likewise. catching up wherever and whenever we cross paths again. I wish you well, my friend. Thank you. And uh, stay warm out there in Missouri, my friend. Woo! It's warming <laughs> up now, but the last two days we've burned a lot of firewood. <laughs> Very good. Take care of yourself, Grant. Take care, man. Yes, Bye-bye. sir. Bye-bye. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. The much uh, I really appreciate Grant taking this time. He is he's a wealth of knowledge, and um, his time is valuable. Let me just tell you that his time is very valuable, and for him to spend the many times he's been on this show just just uh, it blows me away. It really does. GrowingDeerTV.com is the is the website if you want to look at any of the the videos. GrowingDeer.tv. Uh, he is also having, they always have uh, uh, field days, and he's got one coming up, the 2019 Growing Deer Spring Field Days, March 29th and 30th, which I'm busy that weekend, or I would be out there this time around. Uh, they're going to have a meet and greet from 4 to 8 on Friday night. They have some bow shoots and some fun stuff going on. Saturday is field day at the Proving Grounds, which is where Grant does all his 
research and, and habitat and where they hunt and, and where all the issues of, well, most of the issues of growing deer TV take place. Uh, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m., lunch is served, and at 6 p.m. they're going to have dinner, followed by a presentation by Grant Woods. Uh, accommodation is not included. Uh, if you go to the Growing Deer TV webpage or the Facebook page, you can find it under events. And um, only 100 people. But uh, And I want to get him back on. He does the buffalo system for planting and habitat management. Said he hasn't put a disc in the ground in five years and uses no chemicals. And he's got some of the best food plots and habitat you will ever imagine. And I, I really want to go. I was in Hot Springs, Arkansas a couple of years ago. I actually thought about driving up, but it was August. Nobody wants to be anywhere outside in August, so I didn't go. A lot of good information. It's not something the Red scared for. Grant will tell you himself. This is a glass half full, glass half empty scenario. We have to guard against, do all we can to keep it from spreading. But uh, we can manage with CWD. A lot of the states who have the low rates, they manage it. You know, it is manageable until somebody comes up with a cure. This is funny. I just couldn't resist it with the polar vortex. Cold in Montana. All true. Cold is relative. Get this. 65 and above. Californians shiver uncontrollably. People in Montana sunbathe. 50 above zero. Italian and English cars won't start. People in Montana drive with the windows down. 40 above zero. Georgians don, Georgians don coats, thermal underwear, gloves, and wool hats. People in Montana throw on a flannel shirt. 35 and above. New York landlords finally turn up the heat. People in Montana have the last cookout before it gets cold. 20 above zero. People in Miami die. People in Montana close the windows. Zero. Californians fly away to Mexico. People in Montana get out their winter coats. Ten below zero. Hollywood disintegrates. The Girl Scouts of Montana are selling cookies door to door. 20 below zero. Washington, D.C. runs out of hot air. People in Montana plug in their cars at night so they can run errands the next day. 30 below zero. Santa Claus abandons the North Pole. People in Montana get upset because they can't start the snowmobile. 40 below zero. All atomic motion stops. People in Montana start saying, cold enough for you? And 50 below zero, you got it. Hell freezes over. Montana public schools will open two hours late. <laughs> so with the cold polar vortex that we had over the past week, I just thought that was fitting. It was cold here. Now, I don't think it got as cold as what they predicted for, for at least upstate South Carolina. It was chilly uh, in the mid-20s or so. But, you know, it's really not cold when you get down to it. Especially when you got all the stuff we've got these days to enable you to go out in the cold and still be warm. So, there. That'll lighten up the mood a little bit after that show. It, it can be depressing, but don't let it. It is uh, it is workable, and uh, CWD is, is something he said we're going to have to deal with at some point or later. And with that, it's another, another show I, I, I may be... I may be, when this show is airing, I may be watching Anthony Gagliardi, Marty Robinson at the uh, inaugural MLF tour down on Lake Kissimmee, or Lake Toho, the Kissimmee chain, whatever you call it. They had a great couple of days here. We'll see how the South Carolina boys do in Florida. As always, make time to get out there. Spring is coming. Make make your plans now. Don't wait until it's last minute. Take the back roads when you can. Don't feed the camera. See you next week with more Woods and Water, South Carolina. Angels like a friend of mine to hit me from behind. Cause I'm from Carolina in my mind. Three-star general. 
Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.